One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I am Courtney Eck. And it's Courtney's day. To yeah. Some terrible, horrendous, awful, no good story. Yeah, y'all thought I was going to go easy on you for the holidays. Wrong! <laughs> is it holiday punishment? <laughs> oh. No, I... God, I just... Sometimes you start a case and you think it's going to go one way and then it goes mm-hmm. straight into hell. Mm-hmm. This is one of those cases... This is the ultra-tragic murder of Carol and Reggie Sumner. So Carol and Reggie Sumner, well, James Reginald Sumner, who went by Reggie, and Carol Sumner were both born in 1943, had known each other since they were children, and had grown up in the same town, Charleston, South Carolina, and had gone to school together. They started dating when they were 15 and were widely known as an ideal couple who were basically inseparable. They had talked about getting married as soon as they graduated high school in 1962, but Reggie was called to serve in the military instead, and so they had to postpone their plans. This part is a little fuzzy for me, but somehow around this time, either they broke up or they lost track of each other, but they split when Reggie went into the service. So Carol took a job at the nearby Air Force Base and briefly married someone else before getting a divorce and then remarrying a man named Richard that she had her daughter Rhonda with. Unfortunately, Richard was an alcoholic who liked to knock his wife around, and so Carol left him and filed for divorce in 1987. Richard was not about to let his wife leave him, and so one afternoon while she was home alone with Rhonda, he went to the house and shot her several times in front of their daughter. Oh, no. He then drove to a new location where he shot himself in the head and died. Oh, my God. Carol's neighbors heard the gunshots and called police, and luckily they arrived in time to rush her to the hospital, where she miraculously lived after hours of operations and blood transfusions. Wow. She was blind in her right eye as a result, but she survived the attack and was able to raise her daughter. End of story. Good night. Yeah, the end. Great and happy, happy. There's a couple of moments in the story where we could just just end it right there. Mm-hmm. Great. And like some stupid shit wouldn't have to happen that would lead to crazy, ultra-tragic things. Mm-hmm. 
So Carol experienced yet another horrible setback in the late 90s when she started to get extremely ill and lose weight and was diagnosed with liver cancer. Oh my God. And okay, so I'm going to also say this part, I'm a little fuzzy. So if my timeline is off here, it's one of those cases where I read some wild, crazy stuff about this case and then finally found court transcripts and was able Mm. to sort through it. But I do know, regardless of, I heard that it happened because of like liver issues as a result of contracting hepatitis. I know she had hepatitis C. I know she had liver issues. How and when exactly she got them, please forgive me if I'm off a little bit, but she did get liver cancer and beat it. Wow. As a result, she was required to take daily medication and attend regular checkups for the rest of her life, but she had a life to live. Her medical issues made it so that she needed to work in an environment where she could stay off of her feet and wasn't required to do strenuous physical activities. So she took a job in a call center answering phones for the cable company. In the meantime, Reggie also remarried. I think he had children. Again, sorry, that that was not entirely clear to me, but I am pretty sure he had children. But his marriage also eventually ended. So years passed for both of them. And then in the fall of 2000, Carol was answering calls at work when a call came through from a voice that sounded familiar. Mm. Again, not entirely sure of the details here. I'm assuming he said her his name because he was calling about something with his cable service. And they figured out that it was their high school sweethearts. Oh, my God. Uh... Yes. So they made a plan to meet up the following night. And Carol's daughter, Rhonda, said she was as happy as a schoolgirl when she came home from work that day. Oh, can, I can only imagine. No! That's so sweet. I know. The one that got away and you've been through so much. And, ugh, so sweet. The two caught up over dinner and shared everything that had happened to them over the 38 years since they'd last seen each other. Holy shit. Yeah. They didn't want to waste any more time apart, so started seeing each other every day, had moved in together after just a couple of weeks, and got married just a couple of months after that. Oh, my God. Quote, he was a very gentle, kind, and giving spirit, Rhonda said. You could not ask for a better friend, husband, or stepfather. The have end. The, the end. end. The end. Like, you have a hard life. They both had serious medical issues. They found each other. They fell in love. That's all. Happy, happy. Yes. They were ecstatic to have finally found true love and really enjoyed their life together. They originally lived in Reggie's home in Charleston and lived next door to a man named Rick, his wife Shirley, their daughter Tiffany, and her two brothers. Reggie and Rick had become friends over the years, and when Reggie and Carol decided to sell their car in 2004, they agreed to sell it to Tiffany and put her on a payment plan since she wouldn't be able to afford the car otherwise. The extent of their relationship with Tiffany is a little unclear, but I know she was a troubled girl who had dropped out of school in 10th grade, and so I'm assuming Carol and Reggie had shown her some kindness over the years because when they moved, they encouraged her to visit them if she was ever in the area. I also read that she would sometimes pay her car payments by driving with friends down to Jacksonville, (laughs) using it as an excuse. 2005, Carol and Reggie, who were 61 at the time, moved to Jacksonville, Florida to enjoy their retired life in the sun. And both of their doctors recommended the warm climate and the sea air to help keep their chronic conditions under control. Carol was still suffering from liver issues, hepatitis C, 
osteoporosis. I also read fibromyalgia. Everything I read said something different, but they all said liver issues, hepatitis C, and op- uh, osteoporosis. And she weighed very little at the time. Hmm. Reggie had diabetes, wore an ankle brace, and needed wheelchairs, walkers, and canes to get around. They loved their new home in Florida and continued to make plans for all of the ways they could enjoy the rest of their lives together. Carol had remained very close to her daughter, Rhonda, and called her every single day to check in. But then on July 8th, 2005, Rhonda grew concerned when she didn't receive her daily call from her mother and so tried to call her, but no one answered. Mm-mm. She assumed her mom had just gotten too busy to check in and so tried not to panic, but when she couldn't get a hold of her or Reggie again the following day, after calling both of them every 30 minutes, she knew something was wrong. Mm. The day after that, on July 10th, she decided to drive the five hours down to her parents' home to check on them. When she got to their home, there was no car in the driveway and they had left their beloved dog unattended. There was no one in the house. There was a light on in one of the rooms, even though it was completely unnecessary in the broad daylight. In the kitchen, the table was set for two, and there was rotting chicken on both of the plates. No. Some items in the home had been knocked over, and some of the doors and cupboards were open. They both required medication to stay well, including Reggie's life-saving insulin, and all of their medication was still on their bedside where they kept it. His cane and wheelchair were in the home and their phones went straight to voicemail whenever Rhonda called at that point. So it was obvious that something had happened to the Sumners. Mm -mm. She called the authorities and a missing persons case was opened. I just can't imagine having these like very (laughs) feeble, very unwell, sweet retirees just gone. Be like, who the fuck would want to target my sweet parents? Right. They don't it would have be a ton like somebody, of money, not that you know? our parents are feeble by any means, but it would be like somebody targeting our yeah. parents. Absolutely. Kind, yes. You know, like stay to themselves. Yeah. Good people. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Not, don't have tons of money or not no. a target, not people that no. you would just be like, those are the ones I'm going to case their mm-hmm. joint, go after them. Police put a bulletin out for the Sumners in their car, and detectives began their search for the missing couple. Then on July 12th, a man claiming to be a Mr. Reggie Sumner called into the police station and said that a friend had called him to tell him that his car was missing in his garage and his house had been robbed while he and his wife were away in Delaware. (laughs) A detective returned the call, and at that point, the caller explained that he and his wife had to leave town last minute to attend a funeral. and He was happy to hear that his car had been found at that point and expressed concern about using his debit cards while he was away, having been robbed. Hmm. The detective asked to speak to Carol, and a woman got on the phone and pretended to be, quote, tired and ailing. Once the call ended, the detective determined that the town in Delaware they claimed they were visiting didn't exist. Wow. The airline they claimed they'd flown on was a cargo line, and so he knew something was up. She did have Carol's social security number. Like, they did have some information, but then he was like... Like when you kill and rob people? Exactly. Exactly. That is so bold to call the police to pretend. Extremely bold. Wow. Yeah. To suss out what they know and what they have. Mm Mm-hmm. 
The detective called the banks and asked them to please continue to allow access to the money Mm -hmm. so the police could track it. He also called the U.S. Marshals to help him track the cell numbers that the caller had used. He learned that the phone was registered to a 23-year-old man named Michael Jackson and had also been used in the vicinity of the Sumner's home on the night they were likely kidnapped. It had also been used to call a rental car company in South Carolina, and the company told police that they had rented a silver Mazda to a 23-year-old woman named Tiffany Cole, Mm -hmm. who you will remember was the Sumner's friend and neighbor, and the car had not been returned when it was supposed to be and had still not been returned at that point. They were then able to access the car's GPS and found that it had been in the Sumner's neighborhood on the night they went missing. Mm. So between July 9th and 11th, Michael Jackson made several more withdrawals from ATMs using the Sumner's bank cards, and he was captured on camera making several of the withdrawals. Some of the photos had captured a silver Mazda in the background with Tiffany Cole driving it. A detective in Charleston contacted police in Florida to let them know that the Mazda had been found abandoned back in Charleston. Then Charleston detectives went to Tiffany Cole's home, where her brother informed them that Tiffany and Michael Jackson were staying in a nearby hotel with their friend, 18-year-old Alan Wade. Officers went to the hotel where they arrested all three suspects and searched their hotel rooms. In the rooms, they found, quote, the victim's South Carolina driver's licenses, credit cards, checkbook, mail, one of their keys, and paper indicating the victim's America Online account and passwords, social security numbers, and birth dates. Jesus. Mm-hmm. They also found a brand new laptop, several bags of recently purchased items, and photos of Cole, Wade, and Jackson partying in Myrtle Beach earlier in July. They found the ATM card that had been used to withdraw money from the Sumner's accounts in Jackson's back pocket (laughs) and the Sumner's coin collection in Tiffany Cole's car. Man. Michael Jackson, Tiffany Cole, and Alan Wade were brought in for questioning and police were unprepared for the story of what happened to Reggie and Carol Sumner. Oh, God. I don't think I want to (sighs) know. And also, can we stop killing the people that are trying to help you know? Yeah. Ugh. Can we stop targeting the ill and elderly, especially when they are just good, kind people doing the best they can, having suffered so much already yeah. and have just found a modicum a little, of happiness? Yeah. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, the Sumners were friends with Tiffany Cole's family and it had encouraged her to visit them after they moved to Jacksonville. Tiffany Cole had met Michael Jackson in the spring of 2005, and the two had started dating and agreed the relationship would remain casual. They spent a lot of time in the short months that they'd been together traveling around the South, and on one occasion in June of 2005, they went to Jacksonville to visit Jackson's friend, or sorry, yeah, to visit Jackson's friend, not Jackson in that sentence, Mm -hmm. Alan Wade. Tiffany reached out to Carol and Reggie once they were down there, and the Sumners, being the loving people that they were, invited Tiffany and Michael to spend the night with them in their home that night. Mm -mm. During that stay, Carol had mentioned to Tiffany that they had made around $100,000 on the sale of her Charleston condominium. Oh, man. And that comment set the awful plan in motion. (laughs) 
I also read that when they were traveling around, Michael Jackson would disappear with his cousin and come back with a thousand dollars and then disappear with another friend and come back with five thousand dollars. So this was a whole thing. And then they would just yeah. blow it all like immediately. Yeah. After their visit to Jacksonville, Tiffany, Michael and Alan recruited Alan's friend, Bruce Nixon, and they planned to return to Jacksonville in early July to rob Reggie and Carol. Leading up to the date of the kidnapping, they told Bruce Nixon they would pay him to help dig a hole. Mm-mm. And in preparation, he stole four shovels. <sighs> Tiffany rented the Mazda to drive the group back to Jacksonville, where they picked up Alan. They then drove around until they found a very remote area in Georgia that was just across the state line from Florida. And the men dug a four by six foot hole while Tiffany held the flashlight. They then left their shovels in the hole and spent the next two days discussing, quote, what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. And by all accounts that I read, it sounds like it was very much supposed to be started out as a plan to just rob them. Until you start digging holes. And yeah, the the testimony I read about the hole was that Michael Jackson claimed to them that it was just going to be a way to scare them. But I don't think you need to dig a hole that big if you're just trying to scare someone. Nope. I don't think anything ever good comes from holes. No. So, no. So they decided they would enter the Sumner's home when they knew they would be at doctor's appointments because Tiffany had talked to them and they mentioned they had multiple physician's appointments and then kidnap and drive them to the hole they dug. And at one point, Michael Jackson mentioned he would kill them by injecting them with a lethal dose of medication. Jesus. So then on July 8th, the group purchased duct tape and then plastic wrap with one of Tiffany's personal checks and then drove to the Sumner's home. When they got there, Tiffany and Michael remained in the car with a set of walkie-talkies while Alan and Bruce knocked on the door and asked to use the telephone. So Tiffany and Michael said they would remain in the car because the Sumners knew them. Right. Carol answered the door and agreed to let them use the phone. And once they were inside, Alan ripped the phone from the wall and Bruce held them at gunpoint with a realistic toy gun the group had purchased at a flea market in Florida after their last visit with the couple. They then led the couple to their bedroom where they bound them with the duct tape and taped over their eyes, (sighs) then radioed to Tiffany and Michael that the couple had been secured. Michael then entered the home and helped search for their bank records while Tiffany drove the Mazda down the road to wait. Once the group had located what they wanted, they ordered Reggie and Carol into the trunk of their own car and radioed for Tiffany to come back. They then loaded the Mazda with bags of items they'd stolen from the Sumners and then drove to the hole they'd dug in Georgia with one pit stop along the way to gas up the car they had just stolen. Tiffany stayed in the Mazda while the others drove the Sumner's Lincoln into the woods to dispose of them. When they opened the trunk, the Sumner's had worked their way out of their tape. Quote, Carol and Reggie were hugging each other and praying, said Bruce Nixon later. So sad. Yes. This apparently made Michael Jackson mad, and he told Bruce to retape them. 
He said it was a, quote, mind thing for him, and he didn't want to see their eyes while he killed them. Oh, God. A few minutes, Bruce returned to the Mazda, because Michael Jackson had told him to keep an eye on Tiffany and didn't want her to drive off. And Michael and Alan proceeded to put the Sumners in the hole they dug and proceeded to bury mm -hmm. them alive. No, Courtney, no. No. Yes. Yes. When Michael and Alan got back to the Mazda, they showed the others the couple's ATM cards and corresponding PIN numbers. They then abandoned the Lincoln, withdrew some money from the couple's bank account, and then purchased bleach and gloves so they could return to the home and destroy any evidence and steal the couple's computer, a coin collection, and some other items. Bruce Nixon left the group the next day with $200 cash, with $20,000 more promised to him in the future, and some prescription medication, including pain pills. The day after that, he attended a party where he was seen drinking and using and sharing those pain pills. A witness testified that Bruce had bragged at that party that he had killed someone by burying them alive. Mm -mm. That same witness called law enforcement two days later when the Sumner's remains were found. Jesus. Yeah. Detectives also apprehended and arrested Bruce Nixon, who led police to where they'd buried Reggie and Carol in Georgia. Their autopsies showed that both of them had died from, quote, mechanical obstruction of the airways by dirt. Oh, God. No, no blunt force trauma. Nothing. They oh my put God. them in the hole and buried them. Oh, my God. Yep. Tiffany Cole's defense claimed that she had been under the impression that they were just going to steal from the couple's home and was never under the impression that they would rob them personally and then kidnap and kill them. She said she was unaware that they were in the trunk of their own car until she heard Michael mention it to Bruce on the walkie-talkies on the way to the gravesite and claimed they'd only dug the hole and taken them to it to scare them into revealing their PIN numbers. Today's episode is sponsored by Green Chef. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company, and Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Nourish your body all holiday long with flavorful meals made with clean ingredients. Choose from 80-plus weekly options that change every week, featuring delicious, nutritionist-approved recipes. Mix and match meals to meet your lifestyle needs, including our preferences quick and easy, protein-packed, calorie-smart, Mediterranean, keto, gluten-free, and plant-based. Yum. Yum. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating clean with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. You can feel your best this December with fresh seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. Okay. So you guys, we got our Green Chef order last week and there was a miscommunication and I got a family size box. Yes. There are two of us. We got food for four. I made the most delicious black bean flautas and then this kale salad. I didn't make all the flautas, but I made all the kale salad thinking, whatever, and we'll probably eat it. We scarfed it like maniacs. It was so delicious <laughs> and I wanted more when it was done and it was kale for four. 
Yeah. I could have gone back for more. It was so delicious. And man, it is always good to remember how delicious a tortilla is when you fry it. <laughs> God, right? When I had a similar yes. experience, we yeah. also got a family meal and I forgot how much I like soup. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but I just don't usually go to soup as an option. And we uh-huh. had the chicken and potato soup. It had corn, roasted red peppers, and this amazing mushroom broth yeah. that was included in the kit. And it was so good. The whole time I was eating it, I was like, I need to eat soup all the time. It was delicious. And we also, after the fact, talked about how they should bottle up the things, their little extra mm-hmm. Details like the broths that they use, the sauces, because they're delicious. The spice blends, so Mm -hmm. good, you guys. Yum. So go to greenchef.com slash 60theywill and use code 60theywill to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That is amazing. 60 go to greenchef.com slash 60 they will and use code 60 they will to get 60 percent off plus 20 percent off your next two months she also claimed that she was completely unaware that her friends were burying the sumners alive as she waited for them in the car Tiffany's defense outlined how she'd been traumatized by years of abuse and neglect, resulting in a very low self-esteem and diminished capacity to make healthy decisions. Trigger warning, you guys, for molestation and animal abuse. It's quick, but it's also very brutal. Her parents had divorced when she was very young, and her mother had married her stepfather, Rick, who was abusive to her youngest brother, and at one point she watched him kill a puppy by throwing it against a wall. Mm. When she was around 16 or 17, her biological father started molesting her. That abuse continued for almost two years, at which point she dropped out of school and ran away after she told her mother, but her mother claimed she made it up because she was angry at her father. God. She had also been in a series of abusive relationships and abused drugs and alcohol to self-medicate. The prosecution laid out Tiffany's involvement in introducing Michael Jackson and the others to the Sumners and the horrendous way they were murdered, as well as photos of Tiffany and Michael in a limousine drinking champagne and holding handfuls of cash to celebrate after the fact. God. Tiffany's trial lasted a week, and in the end, the jury deliberated for less than 90 minutes before finding her guilty of first-degree murder. They voted nine to three that she would receive the death penalty. The death penalty. Wow, nine to three. Yeah. Wow. And she was given two death sentences for the murders and a sentence to life in prison for the kidnappings. Holy shit. Alan Wade and Michael Jackson also received two death sentences. But but Bruce Nixon, who had led the police to the bodies and testified against the others, pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 45 years in prison. Recently, I think this year actually, Tiffany was ordered to be resentenced when the Florida Supreme Court, well, I think she was, this order came later, but I think the resentencing happened this year. So Tiffany was ordered to be resentenced when the Florida Supreme Court changed the law to require unanimous juries for death sentences. Mm -hmm. The state Supreme Court later walked back that requirement. God, Florida is just a smooth running machine these days, aren't you guys? Mm -hmm. Just clicking along like a clock. (laughs) (laughs) 
So they later walked it back, lowering it to a minimum eight to four vote for capital punishment. But because it does not have a retroactive application, Tiffany was still to be resentenced. Does that make sense? I think so. <laughs> so the yes. Supreme Court said, OK, it has to be unanimous. And they, and her case was put in the line of cases to be resentenced. Right. And then once it was in the line, they were like, psych, it could be eight to four, which is less than hers was. Right. And they're like, too late. She's already going to be resentenced. She, her sentence was changed at that point to life in prison. Quote, though vilified in the media and by prosecutors during the trial, she never entered the Sumner's home that night on the night they died, nor did she bind and gag them, stuff them in a trunk, drive them out to the woods and bury them alive. Michael Jackson, Alan Wade and Bruce Nixon did these acts. However, it is also true that Tiffany Cole shamefully did nothing to stop them. This court will have to determine if her acts leading up to the deaths of the Sumners and her failure to do anything about the acts of the three men require that she should be put to death. Mm. Tiffany's co-defendants, Michael Jackson and Alan Wade, were also resentenced. Wade was given a life sentence and Jackson was resentenced to death. He had two death sentences previously. And so then they just gave, gave him, him one. one of them, apparently, mm-hmm. yes. Quote, for the Sumner's family, the sentence ends years of coming to court and listening to the gruesome details of the murders. Revis Sumner, Reggie Sumner's brother, said, Cole, said that Tiffany Cole wrote to the family asking for forgiveness, and he said he has forgiven her. Quote, that doesn't mean she shouldn't suffer for her actions, he and other relatives said. I pray for Tiffany. I pray for all of them, said the Reverend Jean Clark, Reggie Sumner's sister. I'm grieved that these four young people have wasted their lives. Yeah. It's sad, Carol's daughter Rhonda said, her voice trailing off. It took them so long to find each other. (laughs) Their ashes sit in an urn in Rhonda's Dorchester County home. Their mortal remains mixed and blending together. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is so sad. It's so sad, you guys. That is the very straightforward but mind-bendingly tragic, catastrophic tale of the murder of Carol and Reggie Sumner. Jesus. It is just one big ripple of horrible, in my opinion. It really is. That is so sad. It's so sad. And unlike last week when I was expressing a lot of remorse for Amy Fisher, I do, it's very clear to me how this is a similar case with Tiffany Cole. Yeah. And there weren't a ton of, details, but broadly, after you read 25 articles and a bunch of court documents, it's very clear that Michael Jackson is just a bad guy. I didn't get into his past. I didn't really care to. And all the articles are focused on Tiffany Cole because she knew them. Right. And a lot of articles, she was their daughter, basically, Mm -hmm. like really overinflated her connection to the Sumners. And it does seem like there was care between them, but people were like, this Carol Sumner took care of her and bought her clothes, which I don't think was actually true. Right. But it does sound very much like Tiffany Cole had a really hard life 
suffered a lot of abuse and neglect and met Michael Jackson at an age where she was like, this will be fun. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. We'll drive around robbing people. He was affording her drug habit and just thinking it's going to be a good time. They go to the Sumners just because you're using people and it's an easy place to go and stay. I'm sure she didn't think anything of it. But she said that as soon as they left, Michael Jackson and Alan Wade, she, she heard them being like, "That's an e- they're such an easy mark. They're feeble. Right. They have money. We know they have money in the bank. We just need to get that information from them. And Tiffany claims, and I do believe her, obviously she was setting aside logic and intelligence in a variety of ways, but right. she claims she thought they were just going to knock, knock them off and take a, some money from them or whatever. But obviously you can't rob someone of $100,000 and allow them to live. Right. Especially over the amount of time that it's going to take to withdraw $100,000 from their bank accounts. And also just not thinking of the fact that they're going to get caught. They were taking money out of ATMs with their faces exposed, calling the police, using their personal checks and bank accounts, just not thinking at all. Just renting cars and their real names. Yes. Completely reckless, completely immature, a total disregard for anything. That kind of dissociation just feels so uncontrolled. I, I don't like it. Yeah, they were trying yeah. to reenact natural born killers. Totally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And Tiffany's friends and family, and again, I don't have really any sympathy for her. I understand how she found herself in this situation. I totally right. understand the dynamic between her and Michael Jackson. And she, and I do think she got in over her head. I do think she did intend to just be participate in the in a robbery, but got way in over her head. I don't think she had malicious intent against them or anyone else, but well, didn't not, do not anything. Any more malicious than robbing a feeble old couple exactly. who helped her in her past. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yeah, no sympathy here, but understanding. It's so clear to me, the dynamic with these people. And sure. then I don't know much about Alan Wade or Bruce Nixon either, but it does sound like they're just like dumb drug addicts, honestly, who... Right. Well, like, yeah, I'll participate. I'll help you knock them off and then being all gangster and bragging about it. And shit. Ugh, God, ugh. <sighs> they were adults, but they f- are so teenagery. Oh. Technically, two of them were still teens because they were both 18. But ugh, just I don't like immaturity, you guys. It's no. so dangerous. Yes. Creeps me out, grosses me out. You get that one wrong personality in the mix and they do something like this, this worst possible thing you could do to two people who have already been through so much. I just can't even do it. I really can't. It's too sad. It's so sad. So, oh my God. So the Sumner's loved ones, endless love, peace. I'm just so sorry. I'm so sorry. It does sound like they've been able to find some amount of peace and closure but oh my god that was really really sad i'm so sorry you guys i really just (laughs) like i said you find a case and she's like oh she knew the victim they were like family to her and i was like well that'll be interesting i'm always interested in those dynamics with younger people who have a relationship with the people that they take out but it, it again the way it was presented and the truth of the matter was sort of different and yuck very, it felt like the sociopath, apath, empath mm-hmm. 
triangle in full effect. Yeah, a hundred percent. Right. Oh, well. Um, would you like a palate cleanser of name time? Please. please. Oh, should we tell the people that they will pill real quick? We'll okay. Just talk. Yes. yes. So it's tis the holiday season. Yes. And not that that really matters, but it I, you we are getting a lot of emails and messages. There, people are suffering. Yeah, we are here. Mm-hmm. A, a and number two, we love you. Yes, and. I was messaging with one of our listeners who's really struggling with depression and was telling Courtney about the message and want you all to know in case you don't already that there is a DNA test, a genetic test through your doctor. They swab your cheek, send in your DNA to a company called Gene Sight, S-I-G-H-T. Mm-hmm. So gene, G-E-N-E, like your genes, not your denim genes, <laughs> sight. <laughs> and they will give you results of what medication for your brain that it might help you. So what medication might help you with anxiety, depression, just mental health in general. Mm-hmm. And we have somebody in our family very close to us who has seriously struggled with depression. Yes. Their whole life. And took the DNA test. It came back with two medications that they'd never heard of before and started one of them and is now pretty much a completely different person. Yes. Shockingly yeah. different and happier. Yep. And then Not even just coping. That's the thing that's shocking. They went from almost rage level depression and frustration and clearly openly obviously struggling to not just mm-hmm. like coping or being able to manage those things actually honestly seems honestly happy and enjoying life mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh, another family member took the same test and had the same results Right. So yeah. it's just a, it's an option that I don't know if people have heard about and it is pricey. If you go on their website, I, I don't, I haven't looked in a while, but it's like 300 or $400. But if you fall under a certain income level, it will be covered fully. And it's also a sliding scale. So even if you don't mm. fall low enough to have it completely covered, you can pay a smaller fee. The company seems really willing to work with people. Good. Don't let the cost deter you. Don't get sticker shock. Yeah. It's worth it to try it out. The other thing that I learned through that process that we learned is that some people don't respond to SSRIs. So mm-hmm. those are the more commonly prescribed medication. And so then they feel like their depression or anxiety is untreatable, but they just need to be on a different classification of medicine. Yeah, And so even if you feel like you have tried everything, like all of the medication and you're still deeply depressed, keep searching, keep looking, reach out. And if you can look into gene sight. Yeah. Cause our family member that did this had failed pretty much every medication for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the point that we were researching like ketamine, ketamine treatments yeah. and MDMA treatments and things. I was re- like consulting with my doctor friend who is an expert on those things. And 
they wanted to try this before they we paid the thousands and thousands of dollars for one of those treatments and it worked. Yeah. It sort of feels like a miracle. Yeah, it really does. So there's hope out there. And we realized today, I was like, have we mentioned that on the podcast? That would be a really probably helpful thing for people to know because I don't know how they found this information, but it's not, I know it's not a widely known thing. No, no. Yeah. So hang in there. This episode was sponsored by Jeep. Just kidding. It was not at all. (laughs) No, 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 no. Um, Yeah. So just hang in there. Please Mm -hmm. hang in there. Stay with us. Just because things are hard right now doesn't mean they're going to be hard forever. Yeah. So please, please do what you can to keep pushing through. And when things get better and then they get hard again, don't worry. It comes and goes. Yeah. You are not alone. No. That is one thing we all have in common. Each other feeling like we're alone, but we're not in that. Yeah. And we might, Courtney and I in particular, might not be able to fix everything, but we can always listen. So please reach out if you need sympathetic ears. Yes, please do. And there's help finding resources and whatever. If you don't Mm -hmm. want to feel the way you feel, there are ways to not feel that way. And as two people who have gone from feeling one way to feeling a completely different way, it feels like magic when you finally find the answer. It it's really, so true. It yeah. really does. feels it's like so true. magic. That's the only way to describe it. Yeah. And it's hard to remember, even though it wasn't that long ago, really. Yeah. Just how bad. I'll get little whiffs of anxiety here and there and I'll be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Remembering how bad it was. And that it really was just the chemicals in my brain not there enough. Yeah. There was no thinking my way out of it. In fact, that just added to the anxiety. I just I really needed therapy and I really yeah. needed medication. It you yeah. know. I was having just, dinner with my friends last night and he's a doctor and I brought up that I had undiagnosed ADHD. And <laughs> The husband said, yeah, medication works. <laughs> He's so like dry. He's brilliant. But yeah, medication yep. works. Yep. I was like, you know what, Bruce? No sure words have ever been spoken. It's, it's like, so true. Yeah, just talking about, again, that paradigm shift that I've gone through recently and how it's just completely changed my life. Ninety. Mm-hmm. 90- seven percent in good ways and then there's a three percent of things that are feel like tragic losses but they were things that weren't serving me that i had just hung on to for so long and still do as a result of not knowing my true self so there's that too so if you are someone who's recently medicated and you're mourning a lot of things that's a valid thing and and we're here to talk about that as well if you need to relate to someone had i found this answer sooner i could have physically accomplish this or mentally and emotionally accomplish this. That's Mm -hmm. a very hard thing to come to terms with. And then also the mourning of the people in your life who either don't believe you, don't, they liked the previous version of you better. There's a lot of things that kind of happen and that are very sad and bittersweet, I think. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay to mourn those things and to feel overwhelmed by them Mm -hmm. too. It's amazing and incredibly difficult. Yep. Worth it. Yeah. Do it. 
Do you it. You deserve it. Yeah. Get yourself some wa- wrist washcloths or whatever they're called. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and thank you, everyone, for oh the God. support on how I wash my face. My yes. skincare routine. Yes. The thing <laughs> that, that came was out relatable. of They Will Peel is that you need to remember <laughs> to wash your neck and decollete, moisturize them, because they are often abandoned and become, so then you have like the face of a 26-year-old and the neck and chest of a turkey. And then also most people hate washing their face. <laughs> So many of our listeners were like, amen, Sadie, here, here. Yep, yep, yep. I need to wash my face right now and I don't want to do it. I hate it. I know it'll feel good when it's done. Yeah. mm -mm. Yep. Get your wristbands out. And it's weird that I can push through it because I don't like washing my hands in general. I don't like when my hands are wet. So I definitely get that part. I was thinking this morning, part of my hesitation for washing my face is also the terrible products we were given as teens in the 90s. Oh my God. Like literal sandpaper mm-hmm. and acid. Well, everything like, burned, everything itched, scraped. scratched. And are literally the worst things you can put on human skin. Yes. You're not supposed to use abrasive exfoliants. No. They will cut, might put microcuts in your skin, which will fill with bacteria and give yeah, you which, acne. Acne and other problems. You're not supposed yeah. to burn your skin with alcohol, which yes. all of our products were alcohol based. Yeah. And I was super hyper focused for a while and learning about makeup and mm-hmm. skincare. And I'm, I'm clearly have moved past that now that I don't ever want to wash my face. But. I, when I was learning about exfoliants, I thought St. Ives peach scrub. Yeah. Right. I thought that was what they meant. And then I was watching these people exfoliate with jelly. And I was like, what is yeah. that? Oh, they mean chemical, gentle yes. chemical exfoliation that you only leave on your skin for like two minutes yeah. and then you rinse off. Yeah. And that's it. It's not. <laughs> like, no. Are you swipey, swipey with the liquid version? Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Our mom would hand us a natural loofah sponge Mm-mm. and soap, probably Mm-mm. dial or some antibacterial and be like, yeah. wash your face. Yep. Here's the sandpaper scrub. Throw on some Noxzema or whatever. Yeah. I just, no. No. So. Yeah. No, and the things that have been making a difference in my face are the opposite. It's all oils. I, I'm just slathering myself in oil before <laughs> I go to bed. And my skin has never been happier. And I'm not acne prone. I, I mean, yeah, I'm not acne prone. And I think people will have different results with that. So anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Feed that skin, honey. Feed it. It needs yes. oils. You're taking oils off of it. You got to put them back in there. Same goes with your shampoo and conditioner. The stuff you buy in a store is plastic. (laughs) It is. It's just plastic. It is. Yeah, it'll suffocate your hair. Yes, you're better off using nothing. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) it works really well for a week, but and then because it's suffocating. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I'm sure all the young people are like, duh, I've been using. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen, you didn't grow up in the age of herbal essence and St. Ives. Pantene Pro-V. Yeah. So do you just sit down, let us tell our counterparts about the things that we should have known before. (laughs) Us Gen Xers, late millennials, older millennials, boomers that are listening, gather around mammals and papas because we got some... (laughs) knowledge to share from the 
from A, the ancient wisdom of other cultures who have been doing this for, their entire, for centuries, but B, Gen X. I mean, Gen right. Z, excuse me, Gen Z. Yes. Who's just on TikTok like, hey, try this. And you do. And you're like, God bless it. <laughs> anyway, that's anyway. all I got to say about it. I, that's all I have to say about it too. Should you want to do some quick name times? Yeah. Yeah. I feel weird. So I'm not going to do Patreon shouty outies. And I only feel weird because I woke up with a screaming blow of a migraine at 2.25 a.m. And just really set the day off on a strange note. I feel better, but I don't feel sharp, you know? Yeah. No, me too. Because I'm usually very sharp. I am just laser whip and crack. (laughs) let's do some name times and then let the people get back to their day yeah we got a lot of assignments we got a lot to work out gotta go to genesite.com they gotta figure out oil it's a lot you know (laughs) they gotta go throw away their herbal essence yes and their noxema wipes and their yes locksmith in omaha nebraska named carl jarl That is a solid start. Uh, Carl Jarl. Carl Jarl, founded by a Swedish immigrant who came to Omaha in 1892. Oh my God, I love Carl Jarl. Carl Jarl. I'm sure it's Carl Jarl even, and that's even greater. Uh, someone was in Navy, Navy boot camp, and their training petty officer's name was Petty Officer Seafang. <laughs> <laughs> See, fame, get out there. Oh, my God. Are you on the uh, north? What is it? The uh, the sea TikTok in the north? What is it? The God. <laughs> Obviously, you're not. Um, um, well, hold I, on. I, I might be. The North Sea. Okay, so it is just the North Sea. Holy God. It's all these ships and stuff out on the North Sea just getting rolled oh, over. And Yeah, no, I'm fully on that TikTok. Oh, oh, yo, oh, yo. Oh, oh. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it stresses me out every time it comes up and then I have to watch them. And I was just on one watching this welder try to, or no, he wasn't a welder. He's trying to clean the pillar in an ocean and just getting like destroyed. Destroy. I mean, you're just like actively watching people die in the North Sea on TikTok daily. Get out of the North Sea. Stop it. I don't know what's out there, but get, you don't no. need it anymore. No, not worth it. A thousand percent. No, I would rather be falsely imprisoned than go out on the North Sea for 30 minutes. Uh-uh. <laughs> Apparently. Uh-uh. Yeah, no. I would be very curious to see those waves in person. But me, that's not me. Not possible mm-mm, mm-mm. unless I go there, which mm-mm. I'm not willing to do. Well, Petty Officer Seafang is fine with the North Sea. <laughs> He's a captain of the North Sea. Yes, he is like <laughs> Lieutenant Dan out of the hole of the ship screaming for more. Like, that's all you got, North Sea? It's just, right. just rolling the entire tanker, it, rolling it, just rolled, and he doesn't even, it's not even phased. <laughs> Ball Wood Road. (laughs) Jarvis Bergen. Cole G. Stiles. (laughs) Precious M. McLeod. I hope that Precious's name is Precious McLeod McLeod. Yes. Just like L.L. Bean. Leon Leon Wood Bean. Precious McLeod McLeod. Electra Alcantar. Whoa. Kingsley Esselby. Yes. Sandra Lee Nosak. Oh. Ritz Negro. <laughs> Nick, Dick Glick. <laughs> As the name of somebody's doctor who delivered them. She said, oh when I first God. saw my birth certificate, I could not stop laughing. Doesn't even say Richard. <laughs> Dick Glick. Dick Glick. 
<laughs> Dr. Dick Glick. <laughs> A witness of shattered love was named Daniel Glasscock. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Borden. (laughs) (laughs) I hope Jordan Borden and Carl Jarl are neighbors. Same. With also Jez Butterworth. Oh, my God. Someone's wife has a primary care physician named Dr. DeWurst. (laughs) Oh, man. (sighs) Jennifer Herbutt. Marmaduke Glise. <laughs> they wrote a poem for him. He was a janitor, janitor at Earlham College. Marmaduke Oh my God. I, I have a lot of friends who went to Earlham. Me too. It was from one of our friends who went to Earlham sent that. No. Warden Jeremy Outhouse. Ooh. I was rewatching um, Patriot, the show Patriot on Amazon. Uh-huh. You started watching it, yeah? Yeah, it's really good. Oh my God. So funny. It's such yeah. good writing. And the... Yeah. The janitor, the security person's name is Birdhouse. Is that his last name? Birdhouse? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. That's what Jeremy Outhouse reminds me of. Lancelot Hogben (laughs) (laughs) said, this old timey dude figured out a reliable pregnancy test for human ladies that involves injecting lady pee into African clawed frogs. Uh, He was also anti-eugenics. Get it, Lancelot Hogben. Lancelot Hogben is for the ladies. Gladys Hankerson. <laughs> oh, this is okay. So uh, Gladys Hankerson accidentally called Mike Moffat, this guy named Mike Moffat, enough times. She was trying to call her sister, but he, she was like off by one number. So she kept accidentally calling Mike Moffat. And they became friends over the years after she just accidentally called him enough times. And then her son had recently passed. And so Mike Moffat and his family went down to, I think, Florida, somewhere in the South, and surprised her for Thanksgiving. So she wasn't Uh, sad. You were kidding me. Oh, Jesus. And that's all, you guys. We'll leave leave it with Gladys and Mike. Because sometimes the world is terrible and sometimes the world is the opposite of terrible. And we hope for more of the opposite of terrible in your life than the terrible. That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Oh, you guys. Get out there. Get your your brain medication and your (laughs) wrist handkerchiefs or whatever. Right. And your hugs. Yes. Because we love you. We love you. And if you want to spend more time with us, just about to sign off. Nope. If you want to spend more time with us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or YouTube at They Will Kill. You can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. And you can always go to our website, theywillkill.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us, please. Please do. It's so nice. And it really, really helps us mentally and emotionally. If they're nice. If they're not nice, whatever. It doesn't help. No. Thank you, AJ Bergens, for your music. Thank you so much. And remember. Remember to go to, what is it, GeneSight, G-E-N-E-S-I-G-H-T.com if you want to learn a little bit more about medication that would help you, if you, especially if you've had a hard time finding medication that works. Yep, do it. We will see you very soon. We love you, baby. Happy Good holidays. Bye. Happy holidays. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.